Good evening. Today is August 23rd, 2023, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapter is Into Action, Step 6, and our speaker tonight is Deb G. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Meredith, for reaching out to me and asking me to speak tonight. I've got a lot to say about Step 6. And I've been asking my higher power to help me set aside everything I think I know about step six so we can all learn together tonight. I'm so grateful you guys are here. My name is Deb G. I'm Propulsive Eater from Ashland, Oregon. And uh, make no mistake that just because step six is barely two paragraphs means it's not that important. It is critically important. And um, over the years studying with different people and program and listening to podcasts, it has great depth and weight. And hopefully I can talk a little bit about that. And what I wanna do is kind of create a platform of information that sets us right up for step six. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna blast through steps one through five, but you'll see how the sequence makes perfect sense. So. In step one, we learn we have a problem that's physical, which is the allergy. So we have to put down our allergic foods so they don't trigger it. Um, the second problem is in the mind. And that's what they call the mental blank spot or the mental obsession. I have no idea what to do when the food calls me because I tell myself one lie after another, like, Oh, this is okay. I know it's an alcoholic food, but I'll start tomorrow. If no one sees it, it doesn't count, right? A little bit won't hurt. And you know the whole drill. So we have this problem that we are completely out of touch with reality. We've just admitted all these foods create allergies in us, and then we turn around and eat them anyway. So they call that the peculiar mental twist. And in more about alcoholism, which really dives into that, one of the things they mention is that these guys fail to enlarge their spiritual life. They knew they had a problem with alcohol and they think they got this covered, no problem. So that's the mind. And then there is the problem of our spirit. That's where the unmanageability comes in because as it says in the big book in numerous different ways, that a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Why? Because the disease, the malady of the spirit is that bottom line, we're selfish, self-centered. So everything flows from that. We make choices based on what we want. We don't think about what others want unless it's to our advantage. And so we end up creating a mess. It's reflected in the we agnostics, the bedevilments. It's reflected in how it works when they talk about um, a life run on self-will can hardly be a success. And Bill um, gives all kinds of examples of what he means by that. So, so by the time you're finished with step one, you, you have to be convinced you're powerless over the body, the mind, and the spirit. These are things which require power that we don't have. So step two is saying, can you believe that there's a power greater than you that could restore these issues in some way? 
So if you say, well, what's my other choice? I've tried doing it my way, hasn't worked. All right, I'll give this a try. So you make, you, you come to believe that there is this power. And the more evidence you have of success from this power, the more your belief grows. Because you start to say, wait a second, I put down the food, I'm not eating my alcoholic foods. I don't uh, believe the lies I'm telling myself like I can start tomorrow. So you start to have evidence. Step two, come to believe. Step three is, all right, if I make, if I believe in this power, now what do I do? How do I get this power? And three says you have to take this damaged will where the spiritual malady lives and turn it over to the care of a higher power, like call it your highest consciousness, the spirit of the universe. I don't care what you call it, but our, we, can't, we can't generate the right way to live from our own will. So you're not giving up your will because you still have free will, but you're asking this higher power to help shape it and mold it. Okay, so then you say, yeah, I think I'll do that. And then What's the next thing? Well, how do I get the power? We launch on a course of vigorous action, steps four through nine. Well, why do we do that? Because steps four through nine get at the spiritual malady. You do an inventory in four to look at all the ways that you block yourself off from this power you so desperately need. Fear, anger, dishonesty, self-seeking, they all block us from hearing, knowing, feeling, what this divine guidance would bring to us. So we do a fourth step and we learn all kinds of things about, wow, I had no idea that I was this, 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 this. Then you give it to a sponsor or to a trusted person. It says in the big book at the end of finishing step five, which is a whole big thing is that we take some time, we go to a quiet place and we review everything that we've, we've done. And they ask, are the stones properly in place? Meaning at this point in your recovery, are you convinced you're powerless? Do you believe in a power? Have you, are you committed to turning to this power? And what have you uncovered in step four? That's really important to know. So in step six, now what do we do with all this juicy information about ourselves? We look and see all the things that we found objectionable. And the question is simple. Am I willing to do something about them? Meaning, am I willing to let them go? Am I willing to give to my higher power the very things that stand in the way of my recovery? Now, if you read the AA 12 and 12 on step six, the reason they say this step takes tremendous courage and willingness and honesty. And the thing is what you're saying in step six, if you become willing to turn these things over, is you're saying, if I want to get better, I agree to grow in the likeness of my creator. That's where the juice is. 
that's where the um, spiritual awakening occurs. So I can't just take the information from Ford, put it in a filing cabinet. I have to take some serious action around it. And that means becoming entirely ready to let go of my fears, let go of my resentments, right? So step six is a big decision time. Which ones do I wanna let go of? I could never let go of everything I discovered in step six in one fell swoop. It was one at a time. For me, I had to look at those things which I was really willing to let go of. There was some uh, kept holding on to. There's some I didn't let go of until two years ago that have been with me from the get-go because I want control. I want to I want to decide how this things this goes. So step six is a constant review of what I really want to change about what what what. Where am I going with this thing? What's, what's my primary purpose for being in a life? It says the only requirement is stop eating compulsively, but it's far more than that. In order for me to stop eating compulsively for the rest of my life, I have to have spiritual awakening. Abstinence does not treat the malady. It just doesn't. It's wonderful. It's great, but it doesn't change myself as self-seeking, anger, resentments, dishonesty. Abstinence doesn't do that. So these steps are critical to keep this energy going. So I'm gonna give you some really great examples of how step six worked for me. And, and you can see this kind of interplay of willingness and pushback and willingness. And first of all, if you ask yourself about this defect, why am I holding on to this resentment? You can ask yourself, what function does it serve? What gift does it bring? So for every character defect you saw in step four, rather than going, oh, it's so terrible, I can't believe I did that. Look at it as a gift, as an opportunity that God is inviting you to go a little further in your recovery. So I'll give you an example. One of my defects was dishonesty. I used to steal from, from a supermarket back in Pennsylvania. I started stealing actually when I was in junior high school. Nothing big, but it was like a fun activity. A lot of kids did it. I'm not excusing myself. But as an adult, mm -mm -mm. so... I had a great sponsor. I went to her and I said, well, I need to make an amends to the supermarket. So was I willing to go to any lengths? Well, if, if I wanted to keep her as a sponsor and stay in the program, I had to do this. So I went to the store, I made the amends, I gave the guy the money, but he wouldn't take it. So then I donated it to his favorite child. And like 10 years later, I'm now volunteering at a food and clothing bank on Fridays as another repayment, as penance for taking that food. But here's the important part. While I gave him the money and I made the amends, when I went back into that store, the impulse to steal was still with me, still with me. And what I've learned in this program is just because the impulse is there, 
As long as you change the behavior, which is part of step six and seven, you acknowledge the behavior, you say, I'm willing to turn this thing over, which means you begin to do different. God won't do that for you. So I stopped stealing. However, the fact that when I went in that store and I still had the impulse to steal, there was the mantra in my head, I don't do that anymore. You see, so in step six, am I entirely willing to stop? Yes, I was. But it didn't stop with just not doing the stealing behavior. I had to work on that impulse of saying, you know, basically God saved me from my, my feelings of righteous indignation of poverty, of whatever the hell was driving this thing. The why doesn't matter. Just stop it. And then ultimately God removed the impulse. I changed the behavior. Now this is more seven now, but I'm telling you, here's the setup of what you're willing to do. Another one, I have, I have some great examples. They're kind of funny. Let me see if I can pull it out here. Financial insecurity. I was complaining, we don't have enough, we don't have enough. I was always worried about money. My sponsor finally said to me, look, how do you know you don't have enough? How do you know that you're overspending or underspending? Have you ever done a spending plan? I went, no. She said, do a spending plan. And until you do that spending plan, we're not talking about your financial insecurity. So there was my footwork. I was entirely willing. It took me months because I was freaking out over the assignment. But when I got that thing done, everything changed because I could see that actually the money scene was all right. But in step six, was I entirely ready to give up this fear of not having enough? What would that mean for me? Well, my footwork, find out that, you, you know, is there, is there truth to this or am I in La La Land? So I had to do the spending plan and I've done it to this day. And I've stopped worrying about that because I asked my higher power to help remove that. And then that's more of seven. They're kind of inextricably bound. Um, and I could give you a lot more examples. They're kind of fun to look at, but it's, it's like if you have a character defect that comes up that you see in six, you have to ask yourself, how important is it to you to let it go? What function is it serving in your life that you're afraid if you let it go, it's going to harm something? So I tell my sponsees, write a list of what do you get by doing this? Even though you know it's hurting other people, for example, people pleasing, always running late, having too many things in one day and ending up messing up all of them. Saying to yourself every day, I'm a piece of crap. They want to stop that. So when they get to six, if you're entirely ready, why don't you write down everything you get from feeling sorry for yourself and telling you uh, Gentle rem reminder, five minutes remaining. That I'm a piece of crap. What do you get from self-pity? What do you get? You get any attention? And then what's, what's the downside? And you look at it and you say, does does this behavior bring me closer to the light or does it block the light? Because the whole big picture here is this. On our own, we can't recover from this disease. We need power. 
And I think of the power in the form of energy or light. It's like we're, we're a wire and we plug it into an outlet and we start to receive the energy. But if we're full of self and bondage and fear and anger, the electricity won't run. And if we say my purpose here, step 12, is to be of service, to take what my higher power has given me and raising my own consciousness, helping me live in spiritual principles. If I wanna do that, I have to get the juice first and then I turn and help others with the light that's been given to me. That's the deal for me. I become a lantern. I am not the light in the lantern. I am the lantern. I carry the light of spirit. That's my job. And so I have to clean house every day or that bulb's gonna start flickering and eventually it'll go out. And then I'm in me, I'm in the bondage of self and that's a dangerous place to be. Now, do I get into the bondage of self? Oh yeah. And that's why I do 10, 11 and 12. But look at step six as a really reality check, right? It's critical. Do you want to move past these things that have been bugging you your entire life, causing problems in relationships, bringing depression, misery, remorse, regret, fear? Do you want to stay with it or do you want to grow past it? Do you want to enlarge your spiritual life? And if you do, it's another decision. Yes, I want to let go of this thing. And then we begin to do the footwork. What is mine and what is, what is my higher power? So, so when I write the seventh step prayer, I used to write it out when I'm in trouble every day. And I, I name that which I am willing to give up. But I need strength, courage, willingness to fulfill the commitment that I'm making. Because I'm human. I'm vulnerable. And then I let the change happen to God. Now, there's four questions that I ask, and I know I'm almost done. They're really important questions that I use for almost everything I read and hear in OA. One is, do I understand what step six is telling me? I'm using step six as an example. Do I understand what he's saying in here? And he's basically using six as a platform to continue to get better. Do I have any experience with what the book is saying? Oh yeah, I have plenty of defects I need to let go of, right? Can I identify with this? Yes, my life, my life story is filled with examples, right? And then what is step six inviting me to do? Well, the invitation's clear, to become entirely ready to grow a little bit more. We've come this far, let's keep going. And the last question is probably the most important to me is, do you want to change? Talk about a psychic change, we talk about a spiritual awakening. If you don't want to change, you're only going to get so far. I'm still working on changing myself. I've been in 18 years. It's amazing how much work I've had to do on myself and I ain't done yet, but I'm loving every minute. Right? I'm loving it. Maybe you can hear that in my voice. I love getting better. I love being a better person. 
I love service and being helpful to others. So I'm going to cut it at that and just say, you know, live large on step six. Don't be afraid. It'll change your life. Let go of the baggage and carrying all that on your shoulders. It's amazing what can come when you let go. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Deb G. That was excellent. Excellent interpretation and presentation of step six. Thank you so much. Okay, we'll now open the meeting for questions or for three minute shares as this is a big book study sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in the order as I see them and you will be asked to unmute. Um, Kendall, would you please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when the time is up? And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay, I see Catherine's hand up first. Go ahead, Catherine. Thanks. Catherine A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, Deb, so much for, for that talk. I had to jump on this because uh, I had a big day for step six, um, a 10 step that, that really dug into uh, to some of the, the core character defects that, that I still have and I think will will continue to have. But then somebody called me out of the blue and asked me for what was your experience in step six and seven? And I got to talk about it it really reconnected things for me and what I what I realized is if I look back even just over the last year and a bit of of being in recovery is there are things that I recognized in my step four and five that had been issues for me for for ages things that I had tried to fix in myself for years that I, I on my own power could not fix it. And through looking at steps six and seven, especially looking at that willingness in step six to, to do the, the footwork, like you said, where I could identify, yeah, I can't, I can't prevent that thought from coming into my head or prevent that feeling from happening. And when I try to fix myself by getting down on myself and beating myself up for having the thought in, in the first place, for having the emotion in the first place, I just end up making, making the whole thing worse and, and getting it um, just piling on. But when I can say, okay, yes, I had that thought, I had that emotion, what am I going to do next? What, what is in my control? Because the thought or the emotion, that's not in my control but what is and being willing to, to let that go and to live in a way that reflects my, my ideals or my higher powers ideals for me. And now looking back, I can recognize that there are things that used to, used to be big issues for me that just don't exist anymore. And that wasn't me doing that, that if I had just tried and tried and tried, they wouldn't have gone away. But just acting as though 
I already adhered to my ideals. Now I now I do on those particular issues, and there are so many others to uh, that I look forward to seeing over the course of my life. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Amy L. Hi everyone, I'm Amy L. in California, compulsive eater. I'm very grateful to be here after uh, I was traveling a while and, and then sick actually. But thank you so much, Deb, for your share on step six. I, I loved how you walked us through the steps and why we do this work and that you focused on, you know, what is the bottom line? What What is the root of our troubles, that we are self-centered, that without a greater power, God, I will always choose my will and I'll think it's the best choice and I think it's going to give me everything I want. And most of the time, it's the opposite. And I had to learn that first with food. I mean, food gave me things, just like my character defects do things for me. Food did something for me, but it also kept me, kept me so in the bondage of self where all I cared about was the size of my ass. I mean, for years, like, as you know, it was crazy how, how small my world really got. And with my character defects, it's the same. I will think I know best. So I love, um, practicing step six. I'll just share briefly. My son is home from college. He's 18, almost 19. He doesn't like to shave. I, as mom, like him to shave. So he's got all this hair. And I told him I'm not going to nag him about shaving. And man, you'd think that'd be easy. It's hard for me. But I say a prayer. I, I, close my mouth. And what happens when I do that? That's the miracle. That's the turnaround. Because I know something in me is not seeing clearly when I think it's so damn important. That's a delusion. And so when I say a prayer and I shut my mouth and I open my eyes to see my beautiful son as he truly is, and everything opens up. I would have missed a beautiful moment because I'd be looking at the hair on his chin. I would have missed what he's saying to me. And that's how I used to live. I missed so much because of my glasses were so distorted. And thank God we have a different way. So I'm so grateful. And thank you everyone for being here. It's so good to see y'all. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. Okay, Angela, go ahead. Thank you. This is Angela, um, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, thank you, Deb, for that um, explanation of everything. I, um, I'm on step six right now, and I'm, you explained it very well so that I understand a little more about how to 
proceed, I guess. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else you were saying that I wanted to talk about. Oh, I should have had a notebook. But um, anyways, I appreciate you sharing um, about the step, um, how it, the character defects. So step six is becoming willing to let go of these character defects. And then step seven, I guess, is when you do the prayer and all that. So, but I'm on step six. So I'm, I'm learning in the process. My sponsor asked me to come to this meeting because she knew it was on um, step six. And um, I just appreciate everybody shares too. So thank you. This is Angela um, from Maine. Thank you, Angela. Leslie. Hi, family. Leslie G. I'm gratefully recovered. Um, compulsive overeater and bulimic, um, one day at a time. So first of all, Deb, thank you so much. And I talked to you a couple of days ago. Um, I was just like bawling and you were the sweetest and you go, do I know you? And I was like, mm. anyway, the point being is that you really did point out something that I needed to hear. And I know good God always does that. You know, I always pray. He's like, no, you're always there what you need to hear. And it's like, what purpose does this serve? And it's like, you know what? When I'm in self-pity, I don't have to take action. And it didn't dawn on me. I was like, wow. And it's like, yeah. Or just when I have a terrible attitude, it's like, well, then I don't have to be kind and loving and, um, and look to God for help. Let me be in control. Let me be in control. And it's like, you know what? It's too much work. <laughs> I, I don't want to be in control. No, that's not true. At times I do. I'm religiously honest. Um, I love so much what function does it serve when you talk about resentments it's something I won't let go of and um that's really important and just reminding that thoughts and feelings aren't facts and just because my brain still wants me actually literally the brain doesn't want to change even though you do it takes a while it's a fact and um uh, Law therapy, and um, and I know when I decided I'm not going to lie anymore. Um, like that was it, and because I decided I don't have a purpose for it, and um, I I have little slogans like that's not my food anymore. And I'm amazed after all this time how something I thought was so stupid really works when I go into a grocery store or my mom brings something home and or I look through like you know what's on sale because I'd like to save money on whatever I'm like haha you're not my food anymore and I really mean it it's like it's so exciting so but anyway that's enough said I just oh and the last thing is that I am the lantern not the light and that's why prayers are so important and to stay in touch with God Oh, in the bounce back, because I, I 
wasn't very patient at one point with Sylvania Canasta and they're a lot older. And a little later on, I was like, Leslie, you want to be recovered or do you want to be right? Let's get rid of this crap. And I talked to God and I was like, okay. Anyway, thank you everyone. Thank you, Leslie G. Meredith. Hey everybody, Meredith B. in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, wow, Deb, that was so terrific. It really has inspired me to, to dig in and take another look at these things that, you know, I'm just, I go along in my life and I mean, I don't, I don't do as many 10 step as 10 steps as I need to. Um, I'm thinking about these and um, uh, and a previous share because the 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 relationship that these show up the most in for me is with my young son, and uh, we just delivered him to college last Friday, and it's so amazing. Like I've had I've I don't know. I've talked on the phone with him and it's so nice to not, I don't, it's just really helped me focus on the good instead of, oh, like his hair is messed up or, you know, he needs, he should shave or whatever. Um, I can just, I'm, I don't know. I'm just so excited for him. And, um, at, um, it, it's just makes me think like, to ask myself, what did, what did the nitpicking and criticism do for me? And it's a long list, but I don't, I don't want to be that person. Um, so anyway, I just thank you for um, reframing that for me and inspiring me to take another look. Thanks, Deb. Thanks, Meredith. Okay, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. With this, Chantel, if you could just stop the recording, hon.